What's up? We're back with another episode of the Tartar Project. Hey, it's me, Phil Toronto, again, your host, faithful, faithful, faithful host. Thank you so much for tuning back in. This week, we have Emily Schilt of Pop-Up Grocer. We talk about how Emily took the idea that she had for a business and tested it out with a pop-up and what do you know? turn it into a nationwide grocery store. Uh, we walk through the trials and tribulations that come with launching your first grocery store, uh, how inventory heavy it is and how important data is in general, and obviously location, location, location. But I'll stop yapping and we'll jump right into the interview with Emily. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tartar Project. Today, I have Emily of Pop-Up Grocer. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Can you give the listeners a rundown of what Pop-Up Grocer is? Yeah. uh, Pop-Up Grocer is a place to discover the latest and greatest in products that fall under the grocery umbrella. Um, So mostly food and beverage, but also home, pet, body care. Um, And to date, we've traveled the country, visiting different cities, opening for 30 days at a time, making new friends and introducing them to, to the products that we select. Amazing. And we're going to take a bunch of steps back. Where where did you grow up? Uh, yes, many, many a step back. Um, I grew up in Maryland. Uh, yeah, in like the Baltimore area, suburbs of Baltimore. Um, and was there until I left for college, um, which I went uh, to college in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, Maryland is, I guess, where I call. I mean, New York's very much where I'm from. That's how I answer that question. But you, you sharpen your teeth in, in Maryland, as they say, <laughs> learn, learn in the no, I sharpen my teeth. I sharpen my teeth in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess I got my teeth in Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, yeah very, very. Right. Way to yeah. Say that. yeah. Um, did you like school when you were growing up? Was that something that you cared about or had the option of not caring about depending on uh, how important it was in the family? <laughs> Mm. Um, I was a very good student uh, in terms of being book smart. I was in all the GT classes. Um, that was kind of required behavior by my father. Uh, but I was not a good student in, as far as getting good grades. I feel like a lot of people are very surprised to find that out about me. I actually graduated high school with like a 1.5. Wow. Um, my senior or my senior my junior year I had a 1.5 and I had to turn it around my senior year in order to qualify um to get into college anywhere. Uh and I actually love to tell people that because it just proves that you can you can really turn things around if you're so motivated. Oh, Everyone <laughs> loves an underdog story. Rebellious. Um I just I chose not to use my not to apply my smarts and instead like cut dance class to go get cinnamon crunch bagels at Panera or whatever stupid things you do. You do yeah, as kids you try to say something to your parents. I'm not still not really sure what I was trying to tell them, but exactly. Yeah. Just <laughs> expressing yourself somehow, some way. Yeah. What led you to Memphis? Uh, well, due to my, uh, delinquency, I had few, <laughs> I had few options my freshman year of college. Um, I was fortunate enough to to get into a good school in Providence, uh, Rhode Island, um, 
And then I just had always really wanted to go to school in the South. I don't know why I kind of romanticized um, what it's like down there with all the home cooking and um, tight knit families or something. Uh, and so I just, I, I was hell bent on going somewhere down there. So I transferred to, to Memphis in my sophomore year. Amazing. And then did your rebellious tendencies maintain in college? I was a good student. Um, I think I'm just, I'm generally kind of good at, at things. <laughs> that makes me yeah. sound really full of myself, but I'm actually saying like, Absolutely I'm not. not. I'm not great at anything. Um, I'm just like, I'm like, all right. Uh, so I didn't, I wouldn't say I tried exceptionally hard, but I, 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 I tried hard enough and uh, managed to graduate with a decent GPA. But and I definitely what, like to, I liked to, to socialize for sure. Of course. I mean, it's probably the most important part of at least college, uh, I would say, is the, the social aspect and learning how to be an adult and maintain relationships and just navigate the world that way. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, ultimately, I think it was a great foundation for my professional existence, which I would really say that like the internships that I took, uh, even in my junior and senior year, and then um, uh, a stint in the summer after were really what like, taught me about how to operate in the real world and what I wanted to do not my major, which my major was business, but I, that econ class has not helped me at all. I've had to relearn everything. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Uh, where, where did you intern? Was there any, was either one of those like really stand out as kind of a, a changing point in how you wanted to approach life after school or were you just excited to be there for the most part? Oh, my internships. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, uh, I interned, so social media, I guess this will date me a bit, um, age me a bit, but social media was kind of just becoming a thing that businesses were realizing they had, they could use to their advantage or, you know, as a marketing tool. Um, so I took my, my first internship at a museum, an art museum, uh, and I was helping them figure out how they could, uh, do that. And then I enjoyed that so much and thought, you know, this social media thing, uh, carving out what this means for businesses could be a real opportunity for me to carve out a new um, uh, profession for myself. And so I actually went from there to this music nonprofit um, where I worked with uh, local independent musicians and helped them build a social media following. And cool. that was so rewarding because, you know, we would, I would actually get to watch the fruits of my labor um, and them grow an audience, you know, for their shows, uh, from tweeting and, totally. uh, and I was sort of sold there. I was like, all right, this is what I've got to do, but now I got to get out of Memphis. I got to go to the, to the big city to pursue my dreams. That's so fun. You definitely skewed towards the arts. I'd say, did you continue that trend? Maybe it wasn't intentional, but just art and then music. Um, that, that's um, a really interesting data point for me. Yeah. Art and music are definitely still a big part of my life. Um, and I can definitely see ways in which they've weaved into my current role as a new age grocery store owner. Um, but I actually got into food very quickly thereafter. Um, I went to work for a yogurt company and that was as a result of um, starting my own food blog. Uh, I think 
as I was new in the working world, I was trying to figure out what to eat uh, as an adult um, and making all of those decisions for myself and wanting to be healthy. And so I just got super into that. And, um, and that led me to sort of take what I'd learned in the arts world and apply it to the, to the food world. And would you say, was that food blog, was that one of your first entrepreneurial endeavors, if you would even call it? Because I would say it's like, it's creating your own brand and, and establishing your digital presence, I guess, and applying everything yeah. that you learned. Um, did you have sure. other endeavors uh, entrepreneurially before that? Um, not before that. So I guess that was the first thing. It was called peanut butter prerogative. I was obsessed. It's amazing. With I still am, but <laughs> I was truly, it was an entire food group for me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I would document what I, what I ate. I don't know why anyone was interested. Um, but it was a proof point for me to get a job. So totally. And how did you find the yogurt company that you wound up going to next on as a result. That was also early on at the time where you could use Craigslist to find jobs and that wasn't a terrifying prospect that there was a murderer on the other end. Yep. So. <laughs> <laughs> Always so, a positive, yeah. yeah. Amazingly. I know I remember sitting in the Boston library applying on Craigslist for that job and, and arguably it changed my it changed my life. So thankful for Craigslist for more than just helping me sell couch. Yeah, same. I, I wound up where I am because of Craigslist through no Twitter. Way. It was a Craigslist link on Twitter. So, yeah, not enough red flags went off for that for me for whatever reason. <laughs> but, yeah, here here we are. I am alive uh, as yeah. far as I can tell. And What was the it. link? What was the proposal in the link? Or um, it was it was a, a job posting by Gary Vaynerchuk and where I currently am still. Uh, yeah. 11 plus years later. Wow. Um, and it, yeah, it was, uh, it was legit. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I can see Gary utilizing Craigslist in those days. Definitely. Yeah. Arbitrage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from the, from the yogurt company, where, where did that lead you? What, what was your professional life leading up to a uh, pop-up grocer? Um, so I was there for a few years. Um, I think the company was somewhere around like a hundred million when I joined and it uh, was one of the fastest growing brands, food brands in history uh, and grew to about a billion size uh, in size um, when I left. And so that was such a transformational experience for me because I came in completely green, uh, you know, knowing very little and learn and but willing to learn everything um and so i did and, and i absorbed a lot about marketing uh which is what i did there I, I ran the social media and digital marketing department um and i led a team uh so i also learned about being a leader um yeah <laughs> i learned a lot about like how maybe i wasn't a great leader at least in hindsight that's what i think of myself um but that's good self-awareness i think that's that's super important especially as you take on the role of ceo too exactly. so. yes right i've been thinking about that uh a lot lately um and uh i guess more importantly i also understood the prospect um uh, of starting a business myself and what that would uh, entail and the power of a business to do good in the world and to give back. Uh, and so, yeah, I kind of had the, those bees in my bonnet 
And I went on to consult after that um, for a bunch of food companies in a marketing capacity. Very cool. And while you were consulting, the the bug kind of bit you. Maybe the bees came back and stung a bit uh, and led yeah. you to, to pushing to start your own thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I got the idea for it. I mean, I'd always uh, I enjoyed grocery stores. Um, I travel, uh, or, you know, pre-COVID me traveled quite a bit. And a grocery store was always the place, uh, the first place that I went to get a sense for um, what people eat, obviously, uh, and thus sort of how people live. Um, and I enjoyed grocery stores like museums. The packaging was always interesting to me, ingredient use in different places around the world, uh, formats. So I knew I really wanted to do, I, re I really wanted to create my own grocery store. Um, I just couldn't come up with a way to do it um, because it's very capital heavy Definitely. business and I didn't have any money um, and I didn't know anyone who had any money and I didn't know how you go about getting money from people who do know people who have money. So that wasn't an option for, that wasn't right. an option for me. So I sort of just put it on the back burner um, and then through working with my clients uh, who are these emerging food brands, I identified a, a white space and kind of a way in in which I could create a grocery store um, but cover my costs, essentially. Amazing. And what, what did, did the iteration that you came up with while you were working with your clients, is that pretty close to what Pop-Up Grocer is now or did it evolve quite a bit as, as you thought through it more and more? Pretty much. Um, I mean, I I had this idea, uh, and so I set up, you know, what I call a ten day experiment. Um, we got a hundred brands to participate, or you know, be featured within our pop up grocery store. I called it Pop Up Grocer because I wanted to make sure people understood immediately what it is. Just driving it home, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very direct, um, and it was a success. So we've more or less stuck to that model. Uh, and obviously we've kept the name, which now we're thinking about um, as we sort of set up, uh, set ourselves up for the future. But, um, but yeah, it, it, the, the model uh, uh, has stayed the same. The stores have become a bit more sophisticated, of course, in um, their design and uh, we've gotten a handle on the back end, which nobody would know the difference. We know what we're doing now, which is far cry from the first time. <laughs> Can you talk to me about how you went around like planning that first initial pop-up grocer and how you thought about layout and the brands that you were selecting um, for the experience? Cause that's so crucial. Yeah. Uh, well, I really felt like what was missing um I mean, shopping in a grocery store, as much as I, I enjoy it in the way I described it, um, I enjoy it when I have the time and when I take the time to create that kind of discovery experience for myself. Uh, and, and that's why I use travel as an example, too, because that typically then would happen when I'm already in a vacation mindset. Grocery store shopping for my weekly hauls is not enjoyable. You know, you've got 30,000 to 50,000 square feet to navigate. Uh, it's hard to find where things are. You've got to flip everything over and scrutinize the ingredients to know if it aligns with what you want to eat. You know, there's no one to help you out if you have questions. Very um, tactical. Yeah, it's just, it's just not pleasant. 
so I knew first and foremost, I wanted to narrow the selection um, and make uh, what we, you know, sort of vet everything and make what we provide for people uh, already uh, check boxes for them as far as the kind of ingredients and sustainability and uh, responsibility that people are looking for. Um, and I wanted the store to be a really happy, joyful place. I wanted it to be very friendly and welcoming um, and vibrant and a place that actually you would want to spend time because even though we might make that simpler for you and in a sense a bit more convenient, um, we also want you to, to treat it as less of a task and um, more of a, a trip exciting activity. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so fun. And when, and this is like, honestly splitting hairs, but did you decide you were going to go all in and launch a company and everything before launching the pop and you're praying like, Oh, I hope, I hope this goes well. I hope people come. Or did you like, let's test it out and then see if it's viable and then go forward. Was, was that, what was your thought process there? Definitely the latter. I mean, this was my fourth venture. Um, and so I know how that go. I know how not all of them, will succeed or right. succeed. I don't like using that word because I look at them as successes um, because I learned something, but, exactly. but, uh, but not all of them will be long lasting, I guess. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I guess I just, I really wanted to put it out in the world, see what stuck uh, and kind of, and pivot and go from there, I guess was the hope. Uh, because I had this desire to do something in grocery, I did really feel like that was my, the right fit for me or my place in the world or my place to make change or my legacy or whatever. Um, but I didn't know, I, I, I didn't know at that time what that would look like. I just trusted that, uh, putting it out there would uh, get me to the next step. Amazing. And the first, the first store was that in Brooklyn? It was on Broom Street, um, so you know Soho ish. Soho adjacent. Yeah. Whatever that. Yeah, I know. I remember exactly that. I totally forgot. Sorry. Yes. Um, and what did you take from the first store and integrate or ditch with the second store? Um, because I'm sure there were ten million different things that you learned, and some things went exactly how you thought, and the others were just like, "Oh, well, that that's insane. I can't believe that that happened." Yeah. Well, we had no storage in our first space. It was about the size of a um, supply closet. Wow. So, and we also massively overestimated inventory. <laughs> I was like, all right, if you get, if we get a thousand people in here in 10 days, which was my hope, then we need a thousand units of product from every brand in here. Well, that's just nonsensical. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time I thought it was. So we, we massively overordered, um, and product is on consignment. So that wasn't really a, um, a, a that much of a financial risk as it was a, a storage risk. Uh, and so we had this small closet and, um, I mean, if anyone could see behind the curtains, there was just product everywhere, like <laughs> floor to ceiling. Um, Probably playing Tetris with yeah, the, we all had, the different we had, get, we had to get, um, uh, dry ice delivered to try to keep things frozen. I mean, it was, it was a mess. I, I really think at times I wonder how we survived it. Um, such, such chaos, but we were able to keep it cool. You know, once we crossed the curtain or 
and we were in the presence of anyone else. And no one really seems to have picked up on what was actually going on. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So I I guess the operational side of things we learned, I mean, in a sense, I just, I really learned that my hunch was, was right. That not only was there a, a, a white space as far as the service that we could provide to brands and giving them a space to launch, um, and like an, an efficient path to market, but, uh, we could, people really like people like me really, there were other people like me out there who were, uh, jonesing for this kind of joyful space, uh, featuring all the products that are available to us in various parts of the internet and, uh, the corners of large stores, but not necessarily curated in any one place for us. Yeah. makes sense. And how, how soon after your first experiment did you launch the second pop-up? Uh, fairly soon. Our first one was in April of 2019, and then our second was in September of 2019. Awesome. Yeah. And was that, was that one the one that was in Brooklyn, or am I our, wrong we, again? We weren't in Brooklyn until October of 2020. Great. So, <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, we had two in New York uh, in 2019. Um two in other cities in the US, uh, LA and Austin in 2020. And then we came back back home. uh, Yeah, in October. Awesome. And now we open in Chicago in April. Oh, that's exciting. That's really fun. Where in the city of Chicago are you opening up? Like, which neighborhood or? Cool. Oh, that's perfect. I think that would be really well. I'm excited. Yeah, there seems I can already tell uh, just from the level of enthusiasm. um, around our arrival that it's going to be it's going to be good i think chicago it, it from what i understand chicago is a a food forward city and there's a lot of uh great culinary experiences like on the hospitality side but Definitely. not necessarily the equivalent uh from a retail perspective so yeah i i totally agree with that um, I've only been three times. It's not like I'm a Chicago connoisseur by any means, but yeah, I, I definitely, that's nothing. Yeah. That insight. Yeah. Uh, how do you, how do you think about which cities that you pop up in? Uh, now that you mentioned like Chicago and you spread out across Austin, LA, New York, how do you, um, how do you strategize around that? We look at the intersection of the demand from our brands, like what markets are they looking to enter or what, um, where have they recently distributed and they're looking to support that through, you know, using us as a kind of marketing activation. Um, and then where are we seeing the demand from consumers? So like Chicago is a good city because the, the food interest is there, the culinary appetite, the kind of healthy lifestyle. Um, and, and then, yeah, we just see where that maps uh, our court, how that maps our course. That's fun. And there's also, there's a give back component to Pop-Up Grocer as well. Can you speak about that and what that looks like? Yeah. So from day one, we gave 5% of our in-store profits um, to local charities. Uh, That was important to me. I mean, just giving back is just important. I think every business is responsible to to do that. Um, And for us, I I felt like because we were uh, nimble and flexible, that would allow us to give um, to organizations that needed the cash, you know, right then and there. The cause was also very um, sort of immediate and there's a sense of urgency around it. Um, So that's what we did until the late last year, I guess. Yeah. So around our last 
location uh, in Williamsburg. Uh, we'd given to California Wildfire Relief, um, the Lower East Side Girls Club. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Uh, Austin COVID Relief Organization. Um, and then we just started to think about a way we could make a bigger impact, particularly as there were all these conversations uh, and movements around racial injustice in this country. And we, of course, from day one, have always wanted to support um, uh, founders who are people of color um, or those who are underrepresented or under-resourced. And so we came up with the fund, uh, which is a contribution of our uh, net sales. And we give a combination of cash and services, like creative services, um, to one entrepreneur to allow them to or help them in growing and, and scaling their business. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Really yeah, it's been really rewarding. I mean, we, so we had this one recipient um, at the end of last year. Uh, and so I've been working pretty closely with the packaging designer on a, a, a rebrand. And that's just like my favorite thing in the world. Um, totally. I love a good before and after too. So uh, it, I, I think it's just, it's going to be really incredible to actually have the opportunity to watch the product um, exist in its before state in our, in our space and see how it performs and then watch it in its after state. Um, and just generally, you know, where that might take uh, the founder and, and her business moving forward. Completely. Oh, that's really exciting. That's yeah. fun. You yeah. get your hands on the grocery store aspect, but also the products themselves. That's so fun. Exactly. Yeah. And one one thing you mentioned maybe 10 minutes ago or so is the work that you did on the back end of the business. Um, can you talk a bit about that around how you approach that? Like what, what changes did you make um, for anybody listening that maybe uh, dealing with a, an inventory heavy business such as yours? Um, mm -hmm. If there's any tips or approaches you could share yeah i mean we just were more conservative um it's hard to really be able to know what to do unless you have the data uh for, from which to base your assumptions so I, I would say that's that's not really a fun or necessarily a very helpful answer but that is how we've been able to be more efficient it's just that we know uh you know how cheese puffs do in Austin. And so next time we go to Austin, we can order the right amount of cheese puffs. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. it's, it's all about data. It really, yeah, I mean, it helps. Um, so the, the more we the more we grow and the more locations we have from which we can access that data, the smarter we get. Very cool. It makes total sense. Um, outside of Chicago, what, what are the future plans that you can share? for a pop-up grocer mm, or it could be top secret. It could be top no, secret. I, I I'm, not a, I'm, not a top, I'm not a top secret kind of person, unfortunately. No, no mystery uh, <laughs> or here. Um, it's going to be a, a big year for us. Uh, we are currently raising some capital, which will allow us to um, hire a team, uh, which I'm, probably the most excited about. Uh, we've had some amazing contractors, um, you know, and that's been our team to date. Uh, and I'm so grateful for them and their contributions. Uh, and we, I'm really ready for some full-time commitment. Um, so, so that's big and exciting. We are also going to build a permanent location. Um, 
here in New York. Yeah, and so within that, we will rotate uh, the inventory. So we'll maintain kind of the pop-up essence and the freshness uh, in that way. You can always, but but you can, it's a reliable destination for you to come to continuously and count on us for discovery. So that's an exciting shift. Um, those are kind of the two the two biggest or the three biggest things, if you count my hires as a part of that. Um, yeah. Pretty massive things. Yeah. That's massive awesome. things. Yeah. We're growing up uh, just really more than I had anticipated. Um, so exciting. So, yeah. Very cool. Um, I have two questions that I, I have never asked anybody, I guess. Mm. Um, and so oh, I told you I was an open book. So, yeah, I know. And <laughs> obviously very high pressure questions. The first and it, doesn't necessarily have to be your favorite, but when I say pick a peanut butter, mm. what what are you grabbing? What what's the what's the brand? What's the product that jumps to mind for you? Mm. Okay, well I'm not supposed to play favorites with my brands, but I do love me a mumgri uh, pistachio butter. It's a chocolate pistachio butter. Whoa! Highly indulgent, excellent. Sounds decadent. I also love an alt. Nut butter, of course. Um, so Seedable is a, a spreadable, um, it, like it, it's a sesame seed butter, but you don't want to think of it as a tahini. It's more palatable to a spreadable peanut butter. Okay. Um, and they have a crunchy version that is uh, with sunflower seeds. And <laughs> that's the one. That's great. Yeah. And then the second one is, do you have a favorite grocery store when you think about either memories of how you were feeling on a trip and you stumbled uh, into this market? Easy. A hundred percent. I would literally live and sleep on the floor of Waitrose in London. It is, it's where I've, it's where I've derived all of my inspiration. I would probably quit pop-up grocery right now if someone from Waitrose called me and said I could have Sleep on the floor. Yeah. I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, lo I love waitress so much. Um, I don't really even know how to describe why. So I just uh, highly suggest that everyone go. Yeah. That, now it's at the top of my list. I need to get to London <laughs> post pandemic. Yeah. Uh, also, like all of the vending machines and Lawson's in Tokyo. Um, Lawson's is like a, a convenience store and they have some of the best food that you'll get in Tokyo, which I just think that level of quality and convenience is very inspiring and we have nothing like it in the US. So that motivates me. Yeah, definitely. That's so exciting. Do you have a life motto that you could share that, uh, or a mantra that you uh, repeat to kind of guide you as you build or through life? Mm. I, I don't have a lot. I, I get, I don't take myself too seriously, which I think helps. Um, uh, you know, sh should my investors listen to this? I don't want to say I don't take the business too seriously, but like, you know, I talk, I talk to my employees sometimes and they're freaking out or stressing about, we're not going to be able to get this lease done, uh, in time for us to build out five days from opening or, you know, whatever they're freaking out. Um, and I'm just like, let's just remember that it's, uh, groceries, you know, like, yeah. We'll figure it out. It's it's all not life saving surgery. Yeah. Yes, stressful, um, but yeah. So I guess I think that's that's been a savior, particularly as a sole founder. Um, you know, I carry the uh, 
the weight of everything. Um, so I try to maintain that myself as a model too. Um, and then I guess the other thing that I just find myself saying a lot because I, you know, people come to me often with their ideas, be it for a product or um, a similar pop-up retail experience idea. Uh, and they have a hard time getting uh, from an idea to a business. And so I just encourage them to, to get started. Yeah. Um, and just to actually take something and take a step that you can't really turn back from like, um, like a commitment from a vendor, you know, if they pay you money, you've got to then figure out a way, something. right. Give them what they, uh, the return on that investment. So, um, yeah, those are my, I think those, those are great, I guess. Okay. I share the don't I, mine is a little bit, uh, broier, I guess, because it's from Van Wilder, but it's don't take yeah. life too seriously. You'll never get out alive. So I, yeah. I totally vibe with that. It, it's also like we're we're blessed to be here for here's my more hippie version of that like we're just blessed to be here for whatever time we've been granted um and so like you gotta have fun you gotta enjoy it you know completely like, i love to work i love to work hard i don't have anything else to do i don't have kids or so you know um i will do that but i'm i'm for sure gonna have fun while i'm doing it completely amazing where can people find you and or pop-up grocer on uh, the internet? Uh, or in real life, actually. I, yeah, I normally uh, don't have a real life uh, destination to try. Yes, well, we can share the location for our permanent space just yet. I'm very excited to share that when we can. Um, but we will be in Chicago, April 30th to May 30th. Um, and just look to our Instagram for that address. Um, and our Instagram is at popup dot grocer and you can find me on instagram uh at emily schilt and yeah that's that's where you can go down the rabbit hole of all things grocery incredible <laughs> i'll we'll link those in the show notes so those will be easy to find um emily thank you so much for doing this today thank you for having me it was lots of fun appreciate it that's it another one in the books thank you so much for listening as always uh we'll be dropping emily's info it's emily schilt on instagram if you want to follow her on social or popup.grocer on instagram as well but these will both be in the show notes for sure but thank you for tuning in uh i didn't realize that london would make a jump on my places to visit list due to grocery stores but i'm super passionate about getting there and checking that out now um, and if you could be so kind as to recommend the Tartar Project to your friends, family, acquaintances, exes, whoever you think needs to hear incredible brand stories, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, and we'll catch you next week.